conversation. <laughs> All right. We are what were you saying, Josh? <laughs> anyway, um, back in the 2000s, and, I, and his name escapes me, but mm -hmm. back when Oregon started doing all the University of Oregon started doing all their alternates. Yeah. Well, U of M was one of the first small college programs to do the same because they had this Nike hookup. So they came out that one. Well, Bobby was talking about it this year. You know, they they had that one year where nobody knew that yeah. they were yeah. going to come out in the old copper, silver and gold. But we had alternates forever, and mostly because we were a Nike, uh, a Nike program, yeah. And and so what it's allowed us to is that we have this, you know, like I said, a hookup, and it allows the 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 school to do things that maybe just because you know we're a Nike school as well as the fact that we used to have the the CEO or whoever it was that uh, did all their marketing and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, we've had access to this stuff. I hope they, I hope these, this, these unis actually stay part of the, the rotation as it were. I'd oh, love yeah. to see those once, you know, once or twice a year basketball wise. I'd love it. How about they just, they change the ones that they, they have this year for their road road ones. Those are atrocious. The gray ones with the, just like it says Grizz, like those are atrocious. You don't like those? No, no. Do you do? Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I I've never really paid too much attention to the jersey. I guess I like the maroon, but I guess I guess if I was to pick a, a least favorite out of the three, I think the gray ones would be. I just yeah. think the color gray is, is a cool color in general. I think it yeah. could be cool. It yeah. maybe just might be the design that might not be sitting pretty with me. But yeah, yeah. probably the remo the ma ma maroons, the whites, and then the grays for me. But I mean. The ones that they had this past week were awesome, super, oh, no. super cool. And I think yeah. I don't know what it does. I don't know what it is. It felt like the energy was just elevated. I don't. I don't know if I'm pretty sure is you know the cause behind it, the reason why they were wearing it. It just felt like there was more meaning, and it hyped up the game a little bit too. You know what I mean? I felt like from the people that I spoke with, they had nothing but good things to say about the energy, the environment. You know the cause behind it. So. I really, really hope and pray that as we move forward, they look to continue to incorporate it because, I don't know, I just thought it was good. And we ended up with dubs all the way around, so that was kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the lady, the ladies played out of their mind on Saturday. Uh -huh. I mean, they just blew Plorton State out of the water. That game wasn't close at no, all. I mean, that, that had very much the feel of those old Lady Grizz teams back in the 90s where anybody who mm -hmm. came into Dahlberg were going to get boat raced because yep. mm -hmm. they were just that much better. That was the vibe. I mean, everything was going in. And for a team who struggled from shooting from three as much as that they have in Dynamite. years, yep. holy Toledo, they were making everything they threw up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they, I mean, it was even cool to see some of those freshmen get in too and get some playing time. What was well, that they, one freshman that that they they blew up a little bit on Twitter? And she made her first basket. I'm not, I'm not can't recall her name. Do you do you know Dick. what it is, Adam? Dick. Dick. Yeah, yeah her, her dad. Her dad was a U of M player yeah. back when I was in in school. That guy was an absolute unbelievable freak athlete. He played uh -huh. at Hellgate High School in the in the '90s with uh, J.R. Camel, who also played at the U of M. And that team in high school is still probably one of the best, probably five, 
Montana schools that I've ever seen in high school basketball. But Ryan was an unbelievable athlete, and both of his kids are. Um, uh-huh. the, the girl, she's a pretty good athlete, but the younger brother, um, who's been getting some looks, both football and basketball-wise, is uh-huh. a really good athlete. Uh-huh. Well, and no, you super cool that just, you got it first, bud. Yeah, you just want to go into women's basketball first. Yeah, let's try to we'll, We're already talking about Since we're already talking, like, like honestly, like, and also you, you, the, the switch up too. So we haven't talked, and, and it's not my fault, but it kind of is my fault. But um, <laughs> we haven't we haven't had a podcast for a while, uh, and so we are, are technical difficulties is what they call it on paper. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel's going to say that I meant to, but I didn't. Um, you probably did, but it's okay. <laughs> Besides the point. But uh, we are back, uh, back more than ever, I guess, because it's it's actually clear and you can actually can hear us. So um, uh-huh. the last time when we were together, they were just getting off their Northern Colorado had just lost against the women uh, 82 to 60. Um, mm-hmm. So we've had, you know, five or six games go past. Uh, let's just hit it up with, well, they were at, we at Weber State, that game was not the greatest game to see. Um, it was a one of those knockout kind of drag yourself to the finish. Uh, they did wind up uh, winning that one in overtime, 67 to 64. Um, and that was kind of nice to see. And I don't know, know about you, Josh, but uh, just them kind of working through kind of some of the hard things that they, they were – we're having trouble with uh, um, defense was, you know, still kind of an issue at that point too, which we've kind of saw them kind of switch and, and, and can play defense. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, going away and playing in Ogden, I don't care. Getting a win away from your place is always hard. Yeah. And uh, it was good to see. Yeah. Well, the uh, um, Weber state physically size wise is probably a little bit different animal than the what we see in the conference they are big yeah Mm -hmm. and i and and that's caused you know last two or three years i mean even though that weber's record doesn't translate (laughs) they cause problems for a lot of teams because they're they're their size their size and holy toledo it just is and and ogden is that place especially when there's nobody in it i mean that place seats probably Ten thousand fairly easily, and oh, yeah. it, it when that place is empty, it is like a mausoleum in there, and so it just schematically that they are able to go in there because that place has caused some problems in recent years that they go mm-hmm. in there and win. I mean, even though it was an ugly game, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it was very ugly, uh, but you know, it was good to see a win on the road. They then go to at Idaho State which that one was probably the best I've probably seen them play up to this point, except for probably the Sacramento State game where they race oh. back. Um, we'll get to that eventually. We'll, get, yeah. we'll yeah. get to that. But the Idaho State game going to Pocatello, where they at that I believe at that time they were probably either one or two in the conference um, at that time. And they they gave them a, a go, man. They, they, they mm-hmm. battled. They battled. Uh, to a, sorry, I got it here, 77 to 68 victory, which they just flat out demolished them in the fourth quarter. Uh, They outscored Idaho State 24 to eight uh, in that fourth quarter, which is is amazing. 
because that that team is a good team coached by mm-hmm. a really good coach and you know they were what defending champions last two years in a row yeah <clears throat> and you know and i think you know from a, a coaching perspective you know what Soboleski does there is uh pretty it's been pretty consistent they they're a little bit down but playing in pocatello especially because their women have a lot better following than their men do yeah um isn't the easiest place to play either and the fact that that's a place where the the lady grizz have gotten boat raced um last couple of years um it's it's much much better and uh it's sort of a sign that they're starting to turn the corner even though that you know, I still think probably on paper they're one of the youngest teams in the conference. So yeah, what do we what do we do good that game that really kind of turned that corner? Because obviously they might be a little bit down from previous years, but they're still a pretty damn good team. What did we do well in order to kind of be able to push through that one that one? Well, just if you look at their their stats, nine for twenty from three point range. Uh-huh. Um and one of the things that has been, I think has been hurting them this year is rebounding. Right. And, you know, they, they did lose the rebounding, you know, game that game, but only by five, which to this point, you know, they were losing that rebounding margin by, by a lot. Um, And so I think that helps, but they, you know, it also helps when they, they hold (laughs) uh, Idaho state 38, point or 38.6 percent from the the field um mm-hmm. the whole night so what do you think josh <clears throat> i I'm, I'm i'm in the same sort of uh parallel conversation they just have been playing better defense yeah. and mm-hmm. i think some of it comes legitimately the fact that they started to switch up their lineup a little bit mm-hmm. as to who the how the rotations work and what it's translated to especially now that um a couple of the freshmen are getting a lot more playing time yeah um and and I think what it means is that they're a lot more flexible on the wing and outside of the post that allows them to to be a lot more mobile and get out on shooters because that that one of the issues that sort of had been the issue for the last probably four or five years that we weren't athletic enough to get out to run out the three point shooters and we would give up just um, game after game after game of, you know, 10, 15, three pointers. And we'd only make two of them ourselves. But part of it is we just couldn't close people out. And with this new group, you know, they're just a ton more athletic. They're in a lot better shape. It looks like, and it's just translating into better defense. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that, that game was was awesome. You kind of go going into it like, Hey, you know, they're they're clicking on all cylinders, you know, we've won, what last the last three games they hit Eastern Washington at home. You, you get these vibes of okay, we got this, and they lay an egg the size of twenty seven points, eighty seven to sixty at home. Um, you could tell that uh, Coach Hollinger was not happy, very very upset um, with that. Uh, what were what were your thoughts on it, guys? Uh, that you saw, um, it shocked me. You know, I went back and I watched it, and I knew the the final score, but I was like, "There's no way that we could have played that bad to lose." Because it was that that was closer than some of the points in that game. Because it was up to a thirty point game at one point in that game. 
Mm -hmm. It just might be the energy, you know. I th I think I think coming off a big win like that, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. It's so easy to get into the mindset of okay, we worked hard. We're sitting pretty good on the conference to start the playoff. You know, it might have just been a combination of a couple of things. You just weren't on top of the game. Maybe were they a little bit too satisfied? Obviously, you don't like to say that. You ask every one of them. That wasn't the case. It might be, you know, just technical errors that they really just didn't you know, kind of uh, live up to. But honestly, I really think that, hey, when you're in a high like that, you know, what usually happens is that it's a life of balance, a yin and a yang, you know what I mean? And it might have just been their game to have that to have that other side of the coin. Um, ultimately, when you look at kind of what happened in these past couple games, you know, I think it was a good lesson for all those guys. But like you said, Brian was not having it. No. He, he, he ripped him another one, that's for sure. Well, and, and the difference between his teams so far the last couple of years is that they're they're less likely to stay in those protracted funks. And because mm -hmm. yeah. and I think part of it's because, you know, athletically they're just a ton better than they were, yeah. you know, two or three years ago. I mean, they played mm -hmm. hard under Petrino, but you could tell that you know especially that last year that Schwein was here that that you could tell that once they got into those funks during games there was no no getting out of it now they're still yep. going to lay eggs at every once in a while everybody does but mm -hmm. the 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 biggest difference is how competitive they are throughout their whole roster now it, it's yeah. not like they're putting out a seven or an eight, a girl mm -hmm. who's seven or eight in the rotation who clearly isn't big sky conference caliber. All of these girls are now. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. where, that's how it's changed so significantly. They may be young and they're going to make mistakes, but you can mm -hmm. tell athletically they belong out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and some of these girls could probably pay, play in, in the, in the pack 12 or some of the, the higher leagues as well with these freshmen that are they're playing out, out of their minds right now as freshmen. Yeah. And that just speaks to the recruitment of Brian. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit last time we were on, like maybe like two, three years ago, last time we recorded a podcast. You know, we talked about, <laughs> two we, three talked years about <laughs> we talked about Brian and his disability to be able to recruit at any level. And I think, uh, I, I think, you know, kind of looking forward to this year and the next couple of years, I think that's something that we can expect. He's going to go out there and he's going to find some, some talent that, you know, like you very much, like you just said, that may belong in the Pac-12, but we got him here in Montana. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we—I mean, I could go on for probably hours about this because it's one of the policies that I think in bringing Holsinger in, they weren't going just to rubber stamp doing things the way we had been doing it. Because yeah. Shannon, for all of her her strengths and all of that, tried to continue a model that wasn't sustainable anymore. The conference mm -hmm. got better but she was still recruiting the same way. She brought in some good girls, but it, but when you're now losing those same recruiting battles for the best Montana girls, which literally mm -hmm. there might be maybe two or three a year that are good um, at, at playing at this level, it wasn't yeah. like it was 25 years ago. And mm -hmm. he's willing and very, obviously very capable because he's brought he, the next year's recruiting class is actually probably numbers wise better, better. than this year's. Yeah. And, and it's because they, he had can two, they had two girls elected or not selected, but up for um, McDonald's All-American. Yeah. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I have never heard of, of a women's team or probably a guy's team that where we've had a two Grizz nominated 
for the McDonald's All American. Yeah. I really think that it's if it really comes down to it, I want to think it's only happened one or twice, uh, once or twice, and yeah. that, and I think both of them honestly were girls players. Probably, um, mm-hmm. maybe Mandy Morale- Morales, if I'm thinking about it. Um, but I want to think that. Oh, and then Shannon Schwein, um, yeah. um, I believe. But there's been a couple of them, but not, not, not very many. No. And so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we take that loss, uh, which was which was a bad one. And then you go into the Brawl of the Wild where, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, Coach Hollinger wanted, want, want, wanted, sorry, I can't speak, gosh, to get this one. Uh, it wasn't in the cards. Uh, it was a pretty good first half where, you know, we see ourselves going into the halftime only down by two. Uh, we come out. And that third quarter killed us. Um, we were not. The, it, 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 it's like Montana State said, okay, well, we're going to flip a switch here. And they put it on us in the third quarter. 25 to 14 is that scoring in the third quarter. Um, they were just very, very physical. Um, and I think that's what they, they wanted to do. They wanted to really, really stop the post feeds with Carmen G. Feller get her in foul trouble because that's that's how you beat our team is you get G Feller in tro- uh, trouble and then um I can't I'm gonna say it I don't want to say her name wrong so I had to look it up. Um sorry uh, Ke- uh Keely B- Burton Oliver uh get them in foul trouble and then you're you're out of luck because we just don't have any depth with bigs, you know? Mm-hmm. No and <clears throat> that's still gonna be sort of where the if there is Achilles heel, there's just not a lot of de- sort of like the men. There's just not a lot of depth in the, yeah. in, in that post area. And they're not exactly the easiest to gr- recruit in the first place, but <clears throat> no, that game Montana state's been doing, did in that third quarter, what they've been doing to us the last two or three years, which yeah. is we, we struggle so mightily because Darian white is an, athletic freak of nature yeah and she can get anywhere on the floor and that just forces that reactionary defense and it just makes layoffs so like you know bad bear and and they're and they're and deedon um both had big nights just simply by the fact that darian white could get anywhere on the floor she wanted and and that's because she is probably the best you know lead guard that there is in the conference yeah (laughs) she had an amazing night 22 points seven rebounds uh, one steal, two assists, so uh, on 33 minutes. So that, that's pretty good uh, plus minus right there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so, you know, we we go from that game. It goes into this last weekend um, where, you know, you're coming off two losses. You're playing Sacramento State, which, you know, it, it is a tough team. I believe at that point they were they were conference uh, leaders, weren't they? They mm-hmm. were conference leaders. They only had one yep. loss. Um, we, you know, going into that 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 second quarter, and it's 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 so weird because we have a good a good quarter, and then we dump down. And I don't know what you guys think. Is that just because of you know being freshmen that you just can't continue that? Is it depth? Because like this game, first quarter, we're out twenty eight nineteen. And then it switches, and it's twenty-eight to ten in the second quarter, and you know you're, you're down. So, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because before we get into that amazing fourth quarter, 
I think it's a lot of things. I basketball is a weird sport in the fact that um, unlike football, where you know coaches can have a, a you know almost a direct handle on everything that goes on in the game, you know they can they can make really tactical switches. Um, I think sometimes in basketball, flow gets away from you in a hurry, um, yeah. and that's what happened. That's definitely what happened to the men on Thursday night too. Is oh, a, you know the flow the, when the flow gets <laughs> away from you and you don't have answers. Yeah. And you can't sometimes you're at a loss as to what those answers can be because you just go back out on the floor and the same things happen over and repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. And and so it requires sometimes just something to, you know, to to stem the tide. And you don't know, like sometimes coaches will call timeouts, you know, that used to be the old tactic, you know, let's I'm gonna scream and yell at an official to get a T whatever it is, but you got to reset it. But sometimes it's just, you know, a confluence of a couple of events, you know, here, we'll make a, we'll make a shot here that somebody goes down and plays well on defense. And then suddenly it just sort of stems. And that's what Sac State did. I mean, Sac State Mm -hmm. is, I I would say, I would have said last year, um, probably only Montana State was as athletic. Um, I'm not sure that there's a team that is as athletic as Sac State is. And if you're out of sequence against them, they're just going to beat you athletically. And, and that's what they were doing. They were just a step faster in the first half. And then the, 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 the ladies were playing tentatively offensively and it was just, um, just, and not playing at all assertive. So they're, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're getting caught, you know, sort of half in half out on shots are going to come up short or, you're going to make that, you know, that ill-advised pass because you're just not really sure where anything's going. Well, and and they have they have some really good players. Um, Kale- uh, Kalasia Dean, uh, amazing point guard, was really shooting it really well and really efficiently. Um, and then their uh, girl that's the, in the in the middle, I'm going to say, her, is it Isnini Natabu? That's uh, I, I didn't hear it pronounced. So it's that good okay. Right. So, I, I, <laughs> Angels laughing because I'm horrible at names. Uh, but hey, I think I did pretty good. Um, but she has been on a on a tear with being able to. Her field goal percentage was outrageous, and, and it still was really, really, really good, seventy five percent. But they didn't. They held her for ten rebounds. Uh, she only had seven points that game, and I, th- I think the she only had four shots. So I think that kind of goes through Kalija Dean and her Natabu, and you know they hold one of their their studs to seven points. Dean, you know, gets twenty four, but that's nine nine to twenty three of shooting. There's the efficiency; it goes out the window, um, and then in that fourth quarter, uh, we we outscore and we double them up. We do some things. I think they put on that full court press, which kind of changed the tides. And I don't think they were really ready for that as well. And mm-hmm. got them the juice going, the, the the amazing atmosphere going, and and they upset Sacramento uh, State eighty one seventy seven in a, an amazing game. Yeah, it's yeah, hundred percent. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. No, it's been a hot minute since the lady Grizz have done something like that. Cause it, like I said, it, you almost, you, you almost had this sense, especially in lady Grizz home games. Like I said, this has been a while, but 
you knew that it didn't matter. It was not, it's not a matter of if it was when Yeah, that those runs would happen. And now we're starting to see a little bit of that. They have the talent now to do those types of things that, you know, that, Hey, we're capable of, you know, changing the narrative or change capable of changing and flipping the script a little bit. Because literally, it, that would have been the thing that would have, like, early in the year, like in that Grand Canyon game, they got absolutely manhandled by the press. And then they're yep. now they're doing the same thing to somebody else. Yep. It, you know, just tells you a little bit to the uh, how how coachable and pliable this group is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this yeah, team, just, you know – sorry, go ahead, Angel. No, I was just going to say, man, like, just kind of looking at the overall, I think I – think, uh, it was a culmination of things that kind of started off. I think the big difference when I'm comparing basketball in my, you know, experience to football is that if I have a bad offensive, you know, output, I get a break to kind of recalibrate and reset myself, you know, and let the defense go out there and they get a shot at it, you know, put us in good field position. And then I get to go back out there. The big difference is, is that these players stay in the game, offense, defense, and then they trickle and they move a couple people out here and then rotate, you know. So, again, I think it's a lot harder to change that momentum in a basketball game than it is in football. And it's really damn hard to do in football. I just think it's that much harder to do it in basketball because once you get in that lull, like Josh said, you know, they just start to capitalize. They start to, you know, do what works and play to our disadvantages, which, which where we play to our strength and decided to flip on that gear and change things up, it was the perfect mood at the perfect time in order to give us a chance to win. Cause that's all you can really ask for in a game, just an well, opportunity and chance to win. And this, this team is like for, and, and say, if I'm wrong, Josh and angel, it's, it feels like this team is more, well, we know that they're probably more athletic, but they're more, a, a lot more fast paced team where, yeah. you know, pressing full, full court, would lend to what they do better is in getting out and running and, and kind of mixing it up that way. They are not a half court team. You know, there, there's some players that can create their own shots. Uh, Stump can get her shot anytime she wants it. Yeah, uh, Koenig mm-hmm. is, is an amazing guard that I think is going to grow into things. And it's, it's felt like, like it was Stump for a long time. And then all of a sudden Koenig just came like that and it like, slow down right and that's what mm-hmm. the thing with freshmen is, is is you have to let the game slow down for you and until that happens it's just not going to happen you know usually you try to get uh freshmen on the defensive side because that's a little bit more slower you can kind of get that grasp that better um but not the not the offensive side of the ball and those two players have been our probably our best players the last four games you mix them in the starting lineup with uh, Fatkin, and um, I know we've got G Feller, and what's the um, they put Burton? Are they switching Burton Oliver and and her out? Are they the last time? No, it was it's, Sammy, Markson, Carmen, and then uh, Koenig, and then they had Danny uh, Barsich. Yeah. And, and so, and I think it sort of speaks to the ability, which again, um, you know, two or three years ago, they couldn't like, you couldn't personnel switch. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the sort of cardinal thing that, that Shannon built her, her idea is that we're going to build it, build it inside and go out. 
but they would run into games where they they just couldn't just from an athletic perspective. And there's a couple of holdovers because you know, like G Feller's got a different playing style than I think what Holsinger would prefer. Yeah. But yeah. at the same point, she's she's the one holdover that I think that um she's been relatively consistent, but she can oh, yeah. sort of do a lot of those sort of small things that I don't know that those freshmen can do right now, which yeah. is that she can, even though she does need some help creating shots, she can get it once she gets access to it in yeah. the right places. And that's what they've been doing a lot better job at um, this year is getting their best basketball players shots and environments that gives them the best possible chance to, to, to see success. Yeah. Well, it, you know, going into this next stretch guys, you know, it's crazy to say that there's eight games left in the, the regular season. Uh, just going at this week, uh, what we, what we have, we're recording this on a month. Uh, today's Monday. Yeah. Monday. Gosh, <laughs> it's Monday. <laughs> Sorry. It's freezing cold, man. Like it's negative, just negative 25. I had a bad morning and my, my whole day's off, man. Uh, so they, they play Northern Colorado at Northern Colorado and then at Northern Arizona. That's probably the worst road trip ever. Like, like I think that's better than what the guys had because the guys had uh, uh, Northern Arizona and then they came back. At least they're going to Northern Colorado and then they go to the long, the long one. Because that that Northern Arizona trip that the guys did was horrible. Um, which this is going to be kind of tricky because Northern Colorado is a probably the youngest team in the, the conference. Uh, I think they have like nine or 10 freshmen, um, which they're really up and down, but they are capable of, you know, putting a game together. It's not consistent, um, but you do not want to go into that one and, and lay an egg on that one. And then Northern Arizona, they've had our number the last couple of years. Um, it, we're hoping that we, uh, we, we turn it around and get those two wins because we need those wins. Yeah. And we're not like last year, last couple of years, we weren't a very good matchup for Northern Arizona. Um, uh, they have a lot of those three, four girls that can play both as opposed They have a couple of guards who can do that or they can mm -hmm. back girls down and they can, or they can isolate them. And we're a little bit better insulated to handling that this year, but it's still a, a pain to go play in Flagstaff, um, especially at altitude, if you yeah. don't have depth, which, you know, I think we have a little bit more than this year than last year, but it's one of those games where you have to play eight or nine, eight or nine people, or you're just going to get, especially the way that Northern Arizona plays, they're physical, yep. uh, they got a lot of length. And so they, you end up in those environments where you're like, suddenly you're, you know, churning through fouls and your your girls are fatigued and you just you want to hope that going in there you continue what you got from last weekend and make that game in in Greeley a little bit more you know academic early so that yeah. gives you a little bit better chance of going into Flagstaff in a, a little bit better uh, mindset well and I believe you know in Northern Arizona's coaches from Montana I believe have and, her. yeah and so I think she kind of wants to I don't know why. Maybe she did or not. I don't know if she actually interviewed for the the head coach job here in Missoula, but um, maybe I, she's 
I think she showed. I think she showed interest the first the first couple of times that the job was open. I honestly don't know how it played out. I think that he was. She was on the short list for for Haslam for this job this time. But I really think he focused on if if I understand how things played out a little bit, is that they really he was really looking for somebody who was going to be able to come in and sort of understand. And I think there was only really two people qualified to do that, incidentally. One of them's Holsinger and the other one's Ori Payne, who yeah. had a really good sort of handle on here's what the Montana tradition was, but yep. here's mm-hmm. where we need to go. And mm-hmm. I think I don't think we could have done wrong by either of them. She is a heck of a basketball coach. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what she's done in in Flagstaff, that's not an easy place to recruit to. No. Um it hasn't exactly had the greatest of history and especially in women's hoops. Um, and so it's, like I said, she's done an incredible job there. I wouldn't be surprised if she continues to do what she does there relatively consistently that she doesn't trend into a, a to a job somewhere else. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that. They, they've been pretty, pretty consistent in what they've been doing. And, and that's probably, probably the hardest thing is just consistency and so I, I see them doing really, really well here in the next couple of years because I think their team, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, is pretty young as well. Uh, it just feels like all these teams are just so young. Mm-hmm. But So th- th- looking at, at, at this game, I'm just kind of curious. If we can boil it down to three things that you think that we need to do in order to come out with a W, do you guys have a list of what you think we would need to do in order to come out, come out on top? Oh, yeah. Go, yeah, go ahead, Josh. I, go, well, I think it really comes down to is last game, they just sort of let it. It was one of those, it was sort of like the men's game mm-hmm. in in the fact that, you know, it was it wasn't necessarily as tempo controlled as the game for the men were, but yeah. it, it really really for me comes down to the fact that if they can get rather consistent play out of their wings which they didn't necessarily get especially when the game got tight down towards the end yeah. we just we turned over the ball a little too much and i think yep. it i think that that i feel like that if they can keep those you know sort of self-inflicted you know injuries as it were out of it i think that they have more than enough scoring depth now which mm-hmm. they, it didn't really seem like they we were gonna have um, especially because both of those freshman girls appear to be capable scoring. And then you get like Keely Burton Oliver, who had a heck of a game this weekend. And and then, you know, pair that with what you normally get from G Feller. They're a lot deeper scoring um, and less likely to be isolated out, which is how Paints beat us the last couple of times, is that they've done a really good job at just denying our primary scorers. Yep. And so I think our depth's a little bit better. Yeah, and then they were really gunging ho for with G. Feller. You know, she got her points that last game. Um, but I would say, you know, continued uh, growing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that that's where all this whole year has kind of been a, a strong point of of where we have lacked is that consistency. And then just looking at how we're ebb and flow, just kind of more consistency on you know your your quarters right not having a quarter where you outscore them 28 to 11 and then you give them a quarter where it's you know 30 to 12 um kind of having a more kind of even keeled quarter divvy up if you want to say mm-hmm. I don't know 
Um, but also just kind of uh, like like Josh said, said it, like the unforced errors, the unforced turnovers, that's going to be huge. Um, you've got to take care of the ball going away from your home court. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, you, you've got to be able to do something that they, they want to do to you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I totally agree with you, Josh, with that. It, it'll be interesting because I think this is kind of the pivotal kind of time uh, if you can get one from Northern Arizona, you can get one from Northern Colorado, you move up in the standings, you, you'll be eight and four in the conference. You'll be right behind, um, you know, Sac State and Montana State for top three. Um, I always say that you want to be one of those teams that have the first buy um, just because it's it's hard to win you know four games and four nights or or whatever it is um and so that's going to be really key mm-hmm. yeah and i think and again i think one of the issues is that i think you look at where we're at this year um i think they're better able to just because of the depth of the program i think they're going to be able to handle february a lot better than we did last year which is we sort of slipped and lost a lot of uh just didn't have the depth uh got some injuries and all of those types of things so you um you know we're in a better position now yeah definitely definitely oh the, the dog's barking yeah <laughs> i know barking. it's okay man it's over deal. No big deal. Yeah. dogs are welcome on this podcast exactly you're surprised you don't see mine like coming in here so it's, it's no big deal man no big yeah, they're deal. gone now. they're gone now they're gone now <laughs> 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 no, I think I think all you, what you guys all said, I think it it a hundred percent makes sense. You know, I think if we're able to consistently kind of have that pressure on them, I think we're going to put ourselves in a good position. The only thing is that it's tough to consistently keep the pressure because of you know kind of the area that you're in. It's tough to play there. You know, your lungs hurt a little bit more. It's yeah. it's it's it. You know, you're burning through that gas a lot quicker. And so I think if we're able to kind of keep a consistent flow throughout the game. I think we have a chance to win this game because our athleticism is there. You know, when we're on, we're on. It's just about being consistent and having those webs and flows quarter to quarter. Like Adam said, I think I think we'll put ourselves in a good position to win. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my question to you guys, you know, uh, Holzinger had, had an amazing first year, kind of turned the program around last year um, with what he did. And it wasn't really something that you kind of really thought that w- they were going to have. You know, we're 10 and 12. Sorry, not 10 and 12. Whoops, that's the guys. <laughs> oh, uh, I oh man. They're, they're 10 and 11. Sorry. 10 and 11, uh, 6 and 4 in the conference. Um, what do you guys think? What, what do we have to do to be a successful year for this year number two? Where do we have to be record-wise? Where do we have to be? What do we have to do in the Big Sky Conference tournament? Um, you know, we, I would love to see us in the tournament. I, I just, man, that Montana State's going to be really hard to get through. We would have to play our best basketball. Uh, mm-hmm. Not saying that it's not possible, but I just think there's a lot of, uh, you know, problems that we have with their rotation of players and how they play uh, that we just don't match up very well. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if you, if you look at how we're set up, 
we haven't got out of the 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 first or the second round and it's i think yeah. probably it's been since before um, Schwinn, Schw- yeah i think i yeah. think it was 2015 yeah. and yeah. and the biggest issue is that we go to we go to boise or then reno and it was just more of a product of just how the how simply how much teams were either a more athletic or whatever reason it is i think if if we somehow get through the conference in in the top four is a pretty much a, um, sort of an indication that we're going in the right direction. And then if they were somehow, if you, if we get to the semis, you know, I think that this team based upon what we've seen so far is capable of beating anybody in the conference. I, yeah. I think they could mm-hmm. pull it Me off, too. but yeah. I think that, I think that they have to get that top four seed. Cause again, who really wants to play, because the women's the women's schedule um, for the conference tournament, I actually think is a little bit more brutal than the men's because they end up going, I think, back to back to back, yeah. And then they have the space, and then the championship game, and that I, that's just hard to execute. And so you've got to get one of those first round buys. Well, and it's it's kind of weird. I, like I, I'm kind of old school where I loved the format that they were at before reno where it was at the home the number one team where it was at their home site i thought that would kind of rewarded the big you know the big sky champion of that um where i kind of miss that i miss seeing those games where it's actually on the campus i agree um you know i was lucky you know growing up when you know 30 40 years ago where it was every year it was in missoula because that's just how good the women were but there is something nice about having, especially in a conference where women's games are not necessarily the best attended. I mean, MSU's yeah. much, much better than they were, but they've always been, you know, somewhat comparable to the women. Yeah. But you go and then you go to the the Big Sky Conference tournament game in Reno was terrible. You might as well have been playing in a mausoleum. I mean, there was nobody there. <laughs> and... And and for the same reason, I it, that's the same feel you get for the women's tournament in Boise. Even though it's a vastly better arena than anything they ever had in Reno, it's still, yeah. you know, U of M, Montana State, Idaho State um, are probably the best traveling groups. And if they're not around for the championship game, there's just nobody there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, it. We will uh, continue the women's side on the next podcast, but you guys want to go into uh, what is uh, Grizz basketball? Like, I've got so many things written on here, man. I rewatched that that Sac State game, and I was like, "Gosh, this is going to drive me to drink. Like, this is not good at all." <laughs> like, oh my gosh! Well, tell us uh, how you really feel, Adam. Oh. Dude, like I heard on uh, Colton Nuanas, like, and, and it, it, it's so true. It's laughable, but it's so true. They they do not score. They score six points in sixteen minutes. You you could have me out there taking half court shots, and I could probably score more points than they did in those sixteen minutes taking half court shots. You think yeah, so? Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> we need to film this. <laughs> We need to film this. Exactly. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> but man. Anyways, let's let's go. Let's go from the start of it and then we'll get to the depressing um <laughs> very soon. Um 
but we're not we're gonna start with depressing too because the last game that we've uh left off was the weber state game which oh lord you know that that game we lose 57 to 59 where a lot of these games that they are losing we shouldn't be losing these games it's costly turnovers it's free throw free throws that we we miss one of two or 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 both where if i have to hear another announcer say montana is really good at on free throws you don't want to put them at the line i just want to say no they're never on the line because they don't get there and when we do we miss them because we choke because we're not good at free throws when it counts um and so that game what are your josh i can't i, I can't keep on talking because i'll get frustrated um <laughs> josh what is your what, what is your thoughts on the weaver state game well i think this is really comes down to what's become a pattern and yeah. it, it, there's definitely a pattern here yeah. is that i i for one you know feel like i still believe it that i still feel like travis is the best guy for the program now yep. i know there are a lot of people especially now will disagree with me and I got some stats for you at the end of this. And and <laughs> I've done some I've done some deep dives as yeah. well cuz I think you can go back to probably the pre-pandemic year yeah. um and and you see a lot of the same problems and part of it is that his his philosophy which is defensive first possession management leads to these types of outcomes not necessarily the outcome but the fact that games are going to be a lot tighter and this team is for all of the fixes that they went through and made fixes for last year i mean we were absolutely had no depth in the post now we have three guys that you know that are that are much better than we had at any point last year but what we lost which is we lost all of this guard play that is capable of handling pressure, mm-hmm. capable of initiating offense. And in that, it, it, cause you could go back, you know, even prior to that, it was the end of the NAU game. It was the end of how we played out in that Northern Colorado game. It yep. was the same thing in the, in the, in the Weaver state game is yep. that we don't have a primary facilitator on offense to begin with no measure that with the fact that i think and it's just a vibe i'm getting is that that travis may or may not be a little bit frustrated with brandon whitney um mm. i would say, I would say I brandon whitney and josh um yeah. with the <laughs> that's vibe especially that true yeah yeah uh, go ahead uh but but the law of averages tell you that how that Weaver State game play ended, that's not how – it's insane that, you know, yeah. you have a guy hit a basket standard, and instead of that ball clattering around on the ground on the floor, lands directly in the in the hands of that Weaver State guy, who yeah. then has the, the wherewithal to find a guy wide with open one dribble wide open. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. That was, you know, part bad luck and – you know, self-created, yeah. you know, inability to, you know, make the free throw and having incidentally maybe, you know, the realization that, you know, there are certain different people that probably need to be handling the basketball in that, at that time and point. 
Um, but we just can't clear the back end of the floor, you yes. know, and that's going to cause us problems if we can't figure out how to way to get the ball up the floor under pressure. And I felt bad for Lonell because he he tried his best, and he you could tell he was he was demolished at the end of that game. Yeah. Um. And you know if I think he was going away, and he was, but you know Vasquez was wide. I think it was Vasquez who was wide open when he was running away. Um. But yeah, that that's not the bad thing. Just the missed free throws because there was two times where they get one of two. You could be up four and yeah. five, and even if that happens, you know you got one second and you're up by two or three, that shouldn't even, that shouldn't even be a thing. Um, and then also you let a guy, Dylan Jones, just demolish, uh, which I was surprised how well he shot the ball because he didn't get his points inside. He shot five threes, 17 points, 21 rebounds, five for seven from three point range. Totally Whoa. demolished us on 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 the glass. They had seven offensive rebounds. Um, it, it was amazing to see him. He, he is if he's not the guy for Big Sky Player of the Year, uh, man. I don't know know who is. He's he does the same thing year night in and night yeah. out, and he's been doing it now for two and a half years. Yeah. And I think that that you know, no offense to Jabril Brello, but you know, I still think um, Dylan Jones has been the best basketball player in our conference now for two and a half years. Yeah, and he does it, and he does it in so many different ways. Is that he's not, you know, he's not a classic big. Mm -hmm. um, that guy is. He can play all the way out beyond it. He's he's yeah, six, a, six he, seven, isn't he? Six seven, yeah. and he plays like a guard. Yeah, but he rebounds like a six ten dude. Yeah, and you can't you can't box him. You you can't you can't manipulate offense or defense to handle him. And yeah. teams are finding that out. And what Weaver State did, they've made a choice to slow down the pace of games. Yeah, and everything that he does magnifies in those environments. They've gone from being a you know upper half you know, possession per game type team to playing slower than Montana does. Yeah. And that's saying something. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, you go, going from that game, you know, we lose, we, we, we get uh, Idaho state at home, you know, they're coming into the conference. I think it was like three and one or three and two. Uh, we just demolish them. 84, yeah. 55. We shoot lights out uh, 54 from field goal, uh, 48 from three. 83.3 from free throw. Uh, we demolished them on the uh, the rebound. Took that Weber game to heart, man. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. We out-rebounded by 18. And Idaho State did not know what to do or what hit them. That was probably the, the probably the fullest 36, 36 minutes of basketball that I've seen, which I think the Gonzaga game was probably the – the most complete game where I think that that was probably a really good team that they played and they probably played 35, 34 minutes where they just kind of probably ran out of gas where they played really well. And and I, I wish we could go back to that. I don't know if we can just because of just what's yep. going on um, with, you know, injuries happening now and, and everything like that. But that Idaho state game was uh, good to see. Um, you know, you Whitney in that Weber State game has two points, comes back, scores 18 points. 
Josh, Angel, I've got to tell you something. Whitney, he's a great guard. One of the things that bothers me is his inability to make a jump shot and his inability to to take a jump shot. And also, it's one of his strengths. But he he tends to dribble into trouble. And I know what he's trying to do is he's trying to dish and stuff. But he gets trapped consistently on that lower block and then can't move, can't go anywhere and then throw something and, and it throws everything off. Like up to this point, three years into to college, I don't understand why he hasn't developed a jump shot or, or it just at least a little bit more one that he's consistently comfortable with. And not, I'm not saying, you know, Grizz Nation that he's a bad player because he's, he's not, He's probably one of the top guards probably in the conference. I wouldn't say he's all big sky because I, I think we've got one player that's all big sky and that's Josh Bannon. Um, but he, he's probably one of the top six or seven guards in the conference. I just don't see him being that facilitator that we've always had, right? Ahmad Rory, Will Cherry, mm. uh, Aguinye, those, those guys, those dogs, right? Those dogs that, could get their shot whenever, you know, they were bigger, they were stronger, you know, they just didn't take crap for any, from anybody. Right. Um, and so what are your thoughts on that, Josh and Angel? And what do you think? Well, I think you're right. And I think part of this really comes down to some philosophical things that, 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 you know, we could spend some, you know, long, hard hours on, but, you know, I think what one of the fundamental issues is, is that based upon how he approaches the key, it's going to be really hard. If he is a right-handed player without doing a step back, he's not going to make that shot. Yeah. And, and part of it is, is that it's just body mechanics. I mean, there's only probably a handful of NBA guys that can execute, you know, that running left jab hard and then go straight up. And he, because what he's figured out, and it is really a skill set, is that if given space, there's probably maybe three guys in the conference who have the ability to knife to the basket the way he does. Yeah. The problem is, is that he's never in a position to shoot a jump shot. Now, if he was left-handed, yeah, boy, howdy. Now, the teams, teams have figured out. So you watch Cameron Parker play. Yep. And it's the exact opposite. If people forget that he's, they absolutely forget he's left-handed. Yep. And so they forget he's left-handed and they play on that downhill side and then he can turn and float. Whereas Brandon's never been able to get that shot in his repertoire and it, and, and because he plays, because he's a dribbler, yeah, he never plays above his, above the ground at all. It's always stuck and moored. And when he gets into the key, you're right. I, he just sort of spins around the circles yep. and at times you just want to tell him, put the brakes on, stop and jump. Yep. And just for a jump for just for a jumper every once in a while, but he's yep. always looking for that path and access to the rim. Yep. And teams have figured that out. I mean, Montana state has the book on him. Oh yeah. Well, they, they just, they just, you know, uh, slug off them. Don't yeah. guard them out, out on the three point range. Then that, that hurts our bigs because then you've got another defender in the box and you can't yep. get you can't get the ball into your bigs, and so then you're just jacking up threes that are contested, and you just can't do that. 
no. And and that and again, that's sort of the weakness the team has, which is that for all of Travis's abilities in the years past to find guys who can play guard, yeah. this team just really only have, especially ball handling facilitators. I mean, they've really got about one and a half this year, and that's not really just making a huge dig on on Brandon. It's just that they don't have even a change up to when Brandon's struggling to put somebody else over at point mm-hmm. to facilitate the offense. He, they just can't. And so he's stuck playing a lot of heavy minutes because he's still, I think, their best perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but he yeah. but he's become this sort of weird thing where if teams play him head up and straight up, he's he's good for 18 a night. Yeah, but if teams you know sag off into the key like uh, Sac State did, what Montana State did, what Weber State did, you know it's really really difficult until. And if you watch him as a freshman, watch his highlight film. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had tons of mid key jumpers, but he was also getting the ball in a different position and a different expectation of what he was supposed to do with the ball. And I think that's part of it. He got a lot more like height on his shot in the freshman year too. Like True. his shot looks totally different than when he came in as a freshman. Like not like, like totally different. It was still kind of like a, like a, a, a missile, but at least yeah. it had a little bit of, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of more arc on it. And now if, if it doesn't go in, like it's going to hit the, the rim. <laughs> if it's not a, a, a swish, nothing but net. Yeah. And you know, the, I think the, the, the thing is, though, is that it's one of those things where basketball, again, because it's a little bit of a flow sport, you you find yourself in a, a constant position of, you know, it's a little bit instinctual. And I think especially last probably since he got sick or whatever the mm-hmm. issue was at NAU, he's been just a little bit off kilter, period. Yeah. And, and so you see it, you know, it's sort of like in golf. It just appears a little bit from time to time. He's just fighting it a little bit. He's hasn't been able to find that flow out uh, for the exception of that Idaho State game, yeah. and and I think you know you know maybe just some of it's just a little bit in his head, yeah. And and so you know they're college age kids. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, so yeah. you just hope that he can find his way out of it because when he's good, we're really good. Yeah. But yeah. when he's not, we're just like I said, we're just sort of you know. Average average mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then we go into that game against you know um eastern washington you know that was a a, a key game that i think if we would have won that game at eastern washington kind of would have turned the tides for us um you know we lose 57 64 which it was back and forth back and forth i think that that second half we we kind of lent them we started fouling more which got them on the free throw line which you do not want to get them on the free throw line at all um and then oh my goodness gracious we could not guard the pick and roll we are horrible at yeah we we couldn't get over their bigs so our 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 big guys were were helping and they were helping too far down which meant hey their bigs can pop up to the middle of the, the key, shoot a three. Their bigs got what, like five threes on us that game that just in that second half just killed us. Well, there's a reason why they're at the top of the conference. They yeah. are as long 
yeah. as any Big Sky Conference team I've seen in in quite a while. And they all can play. You know, Venters is really only le- the legitimately, you know, as guardy as he is. Yeah. But those rest of those guys can play every every position from two to five, and they isolate better than any other team in the conference. They 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 outed Brandon Whitney that game. They found him on the floor and they were posting him up. Yep. They did the same thing with with their really? six foot seven six. Yeah, they did with everybody, and <laughs> they and they find those matchups. You know, whether it's a small on a big, um, they're able to facilitate that on a lot of their uh, high low motion. They just get a lot of mismatches, and they've executed it beautifully. I mean, nobody yeah. nobody shoots as many threes as they do and makes nearly as many of them as they do. And on top of that, they just don't make very many mistakes. No, when they, their guys, what their shortest guy on their starting, um, in a lineup is six, six. Yeah. So there's a lot of length there. Uh, their, their bigs went six for 11 from three point range on us. Um, they shoot, you know, 83% from the three, three point line They get six offensive rebounds. You know, they're just a complete team which is crazy because last year they weren't a complete team and, you know, you got to give it to coach Riley. They kind of pieced that together with what they had and then kind of got some transfers and, and really, really made a really great team, uh, which is a kind of a one-on-one on, on how to piece it together a team in this weird kind of transfer portal uh, era that we are in, in college basketball. So, yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> Yeah, it, it you know, and there's there's a whole other conversation here that I had, I guess, about the how Travis has approached the portal at, versus yeah. how other teams have done it. But what it, it allows teams to do more so than anything else, I mean, because Eastern wasn't that great last year. No, um, but no. they 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 sort of expunged a couple of guys. But you know, his portal recruiting the last two years have been, you know, nothing short of spectacular. I mean. Yeah. It's hard to do what you do and be that much better than everybody else. Cause I mean, they're, they've just absolutely ran people out of the gym. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're, um, I am I'm not get his name wrong. There's six man, the guy that is basically down the stretch, won that game for them, had a couple stops, had a couple blocks, got a couple uh, big baskets uh, in, and he was coming off the bench. Um, I can't name, I think he's number two or something like that, but I can't, can't remember his name. He was their six man, uh, on that team. It, it is, is probably going to start no matter where he goes in the big sky conference, yeah. um, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we go to that one guys. When we get the cat game, uh, <laughs> this game kind of, kind of, you know, it was epitome of what we've been talking about, right? Uh, this is another game where. We had the game down the line the last, you know, three or four minutes. Uh, we lose the game, 64-67. You, you can complain about the call uh, on the last, you know, if, if it was a foul, if it should be a foul or whatnot. Well, what do you think, Adam? Was it a foul or not? Okay, so when you go into it, <laughs> when you go into a guy, you're supposed to break down, right? When you're you're going out on a guy. He didn't break down as much as he should have. And so he kind of was like in a position where it looked like he was leaning in. Okay. Um, and then 
um what's his face i can't remember i always get his name wrong um roquan right yeah. roquan uh battle he he goes into it right he goes into the shot goes into the guy gets fouled you know if i was calling it i would just say no call but that's not the big sky refs they're going to call everything right yeah. so they they're, they're going to call mm-hmm. every touch every whatever so you have to play where they're not going to they can't they can't call that right no one looks at we shouldn't have even been in that situation where we had a three point lead and we let them get two and ones on back to back plays two and ones and we miss free throws again and so that's not looked at as something that we need to fix. Also, you know, again, too many droughts, too many possess- empty possessions where we get stops on some hard possessions, and then we go down and we dribble it off our leg or we, you know, just cough it up. And it was just mind-blowing that when it comes, you know, the last four minutes of the game, this team chokes. This team cracks under the pressure of of closing games out, and I really think now it's it's in their mind. Yeah, I, and I think one of the things, especially the way that Montana State game played out, is that Montana State probably different than most of other teams we're going to play is about as freakishly physical as any yeah. team that we're going to play in the conference, and we don't match up. Yeah, and so. Montana State turned that into a, it wasn't a football game because it wasn't officiated that way. No, but but it was physical because they are physical and they cause problems for for us and every other team because of how good and how big and how tall they are down low, yeah. and so they turn that game, which probably stylistic probably could should have benefited us into a game that they're able to control because they can do two things. Number one, they can initiate contact and get fouls, which, um, you know, Bello has become the master of. And and so when you do that, you can get yourself benefit of the doubt, especially late, because you can get the type of position that's going to get you shots closer to the basket. We can't do that. And we haven't shown the ability to do that. You know, as much as I love Bannon, he got manhandled for much of that second half because he they're they're writing him out of the key. So he's got he's got to work a lot harder. Um, and he's we're better when he's efficient, not a high volume shooter. And yeah. and so when we figured things out in the second half, it was because they started feeding off of him to Moody. And Moody then, because of his ability to sort of be a jack of all trades you know, found seams where, or where, uh, Whitney couldn't, um, and started shooting balls that were in that, you know, 12 to 15 foot range, which there's a handful of people think that we're just allergic to. Um, (laughs) but, but no, that's how that game played out. It was, there wasn't a, there wasn't a big enough margin in the way that it played out to suggest that, you know, it was any one thing, but you know, we, we gifted them late because we couldn't convert on the opportunities that we did have, whether that's at the free throw line. I think we missed two or three point blank layup type opportunities late. And if you continue to do that over and over, good teams are going to find a way to beat you. Yeah. Well, it was just, it was just, 
they they get four more points off of turnovers. Uh, they get three more free throw attempts. Um, and you know what crazy stat is? We out rebounded the Cats, which is a is is an amazing stat that I wasn't <laughs> going into that game. I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna out rebound them. You know, we did well on the boards. You know, this is probably the game that kind of, and like you said, Josh, it kind of suited us where we got their one, you know, Bellow into foul trouble. Uh, it it kind of seemed like, hey, if you're going to win one, this is the one that you're going to get. Yeah. Um, and we just did not take it. And, you know, it, it, it at this point, it, it's in, in our psyche, right? Yeah. Uh, that's another game we didn't close out. And you can say, hey, you know, it was because of the foul call, which what is more alarming than not closing games out is listening to Coach DeCure say that they did close out a game. They did close this game out. You can, I think it was on the Coulter Nuanas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, he asked him, you know, you know, you've had troubles closing out games. You know, he's like, well, we did close out a game. They just called a foul. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like that, that, that is totally different than what I've ever heard to say. And I don't know if that was just like to save face with, you know, his players and, you know, with the, you know, everything like that. But uh, I think, I think it's lost that game way, 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 way down the line before that foul call. I think there's probably two, if not 15 things at play, which is that, um, it's been, and he's told to be quiet on it. And, and I think he's gotten to the point where it's a boil over thing is Mm -hmm. that he's going to make the point now that this conference has to find out a way. Cause it, when you look at the way the conference is officiated stylistically as to comparison to how the, the, the PAC 12 is officiated, how the, how the mountain West is officiated. They don't turn into these knockdown drag out free throw fests and, and, and as whistle happy. And these are, and, and it's a conversation not to why Montana is getting screwed over, but rather that why it's made. And you can watch a lot of the games. Mm -hmm. What's astounding is that this is the way a lot of games in the conference play out where teams get, 32 free throws in a game. Yeah. And that's just not good, good basketball. basketball to watch. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And so I get get his point, which is that we have to stop because this is probably maybe there was a run two or three years ago where we had four out of five games determined in the last 30 seconds of a game off of a whistle. rather than letting them play like they had the whole game, they're like, okay, we have to call a whistle here. And some of them have benefited them, some is against us. And and I think where, if if I'm Travis, I think you do have to sometimes say the quiet part out loud, which is that even if the, if, if um, AD Haslam and and the the league may not like it, there is, does become a point where you just have to say it to say what everybody else has been thinking. And, but he's not, but you're not wrong either, which is that there are just things that we do rather consistently that lead us to having these same type of outcomes, which some of them mm-hmm. are completely within the control of Travis, which yeah. is that again, stylistically, this is why our margins are close. 
And because of how he chooses to teach kids to play defense, which I'm all in favor of, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just this is what happens, which is yeah. that you're it's sort of like people's criticism of Bobby Houck. You know, this is this is how he wanted to run an offense while the margins closed down because back in the late 2000s, well, the games are going to be close and you're going to give teams to stay longer in the game rather than creating something that, you know, is a is a stylistic benefit. It also has its drawbacks. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Well, and, and you, you look at, like, this team, I, I think that if you look at stylistically, kind of like the girl, the the Lady Grizz, this team I think would be uh, lend to it where they could probably get a lot more scoring if they were able to run. Um, and it kind of, you know, the cure kind of reminds me of Tom Izzo where they're, they're staunch, you know, that pack line kind of, you play defense or you don't play at all. Well, at least, you know, Tom Izzo lets his guys run out and get those easy buckets where you've got those easier, those passes and and i'm i'm really excited that we're actually shooting threes this year and some of them i'm like oh my gosh moody you're gonna get killed dude like (laughs) (laughs) you're shooting three points on like the logo like you're like going to get like the death glare of the cure like but no he's let kind of that go which is nice because his players you know deshaun thomas and, and uh, Moody are three-point threats that need that kind of leeway. Um, but something like that would, that would help kind of the offensive flow because the offensive flow is sometimes atrocious where you've got yeah. two guys going one-on-one and the other guys are just like just standing there. Um, earlier in the year, I really thought that they kind of put in where the, ga- the guards were kind of weaving, and I kind of thought that was something that, hey, I could see them kind of weaving and then maybe getting it down low where those you know defenders actually have to guard the guards and they don't have to slough off, where I think that could have been really beneficial, especially for Whitney, where they have to actually guard him, um, where we've kind of gotten away with that, and it's just you know Josh take up the court one-on-one or uh, Brandon kind of get your own shot, drive down the middle and, and kind of kick out. Um, it's just kind of, kind of since the pandemic hit, we've been in this kind of ultra like searching mode in Grizz men's basketball, where it's not like what we used to be. And it's kind of, it's, it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. Oh, I agree completely. And I think one of the issues is, is that, and if you read message boards or Grizz Twitter, which again is. You know, you know, beware. I think the same conversation we're having is the same conversation everybody else has had, which is that when you look at what other teams have and what we don't have, it really sticks out. What lost us the game really in that Montana State game is that they have Raekwon Battle, who is a guy who can score 30 in a wide array of different ways and you can't defend him. Yeah. So you can set up a defense and then he's still going to break it down because he's a great individual scorer. We haven't had that guy since Rory yeah, or even yeah. Aguine, uh, or Aguine. Aguine. And, and, and so what we've seen since then is that we only have one or two guys who can score consistently, but they require effort to score. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we do a back down offense or the, 
five ways that we're pretty much running Bannon is either a point forward, a point guard, all in ways to make it easier for him to score. But when he can't score or he's not facilitating off of that, that, that high, low, um, you know, skip passing thing, you know, we just don't have anybody on the wing that can break down a defense and score like that. You know, we just don't have it. And it's been the issue since we graduated, you know, Pridget. Yeah. And, and Pridget became sort of this weird Swiss army tool for him. Well, (laughs) well, we can, we can play him as a four. Mm -hmm. Um, We can play him as a three and we can play him all over the floor, but we don't have that guy now. And, and what it shows down is that games get into crunch points and we have to work so dang hard just to get an average to mid range jump shot. And sometimes it is unbearable as all get out to watch. Well, and we go through these droughts and we did did it the last couple of years where the droughts just kill us. We get a lead and we're up and the next game that we're talking about Sac state, we get a lead that's what 14 points, and we just like I don't know if it and it was just this is just my thought process. It's like, oh, we got 14 point lead, guys, but we can relax. And it's just like, no, you had like we don't have that person where oh, and they're all nice guys and they're all nice players, but we don't have that dog where who's gonna step up and and you know finish this thing, like finish him, right? Like, like the whole Mortal Kombat thing, right? Finish him, right? But yeah. it, it, we, we let that 14 point lead go and it turns into, you know, a, oh God, 20 point run for them or whatever it was. And it, we're out of it. And then it's in our heads and we cannot, we can't make a layup. <laughs> oh, it, and you know, the, the funny thing about it was that it's every, 10 minute run yeah. of a scoring that we hadn't had the last in it all sort of manifested into, you know, what really ended up being 14 minutes of, I mean, just absolute torture because again, yeah. it was like six layups here. We missed um, the number of just absolute, um, you know, boneheaded, you know, there's, you know, six turnovers that you wouldn't see in middle school, you know, guys dribbling into triple teams, you know, it it was just everything that, that, that's gone wrong offensively for us last couple of years. And that was the ugliest stretch of basketball I've seen U of M play offensively. And well, since the Pat Kennedy years, really. Oh, Angel, did you see that game? It was 40 to 42 with 16 minutes left in the second half. We scored eight points the rest of the game. I did. I did watch the game. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I want that time back. (laughs) (laughs) No. And and it was Jonathan Brown, of all people, who broke the the scoring route. Yeah. And and I think you could tell, and this is one of those things where I think Travis has been trying to get the guys to do certain things offensively. Yeah, you know, Bannon Bannon gets in the habit, especially in that low block area, and because South State's got so much size in there with McRae, yeah, he, he would hold on to it, and he would hold on to it for three to four counts longer than needed to. Yeah, and then you know they, I know 
they told, you know, because it's how Sac State plays defense. Mm -hmm. They were like, Whitney, you can't over 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 commit to the key. And that was that same thing. He would dribble in and he would sort of wiggle around dribbling and then he would come all the way back right out on top. Yep. And you could tell like Travis was about ready to pull his hair out. So, you know, I know that it, they're, they're doing the coaching and then there's this, this part of it where they get into the middle of it and they just can't, I mean, cause it was Moody who tried to get him out. Oh yeah. And, and Moody, you know, it had about three or four really good looks. One was yeah. a rim out. The other one was, uh, you know, another one was a really good look that just, you know, lipped out as well. And then suddenly what looked like, oh, we're going to get find a way to get through this really short dry spell, you know. Holy cow. Yeah. Two points and 11 minutes later. Well, and I think, you know, to Moody's, uh, uh, he, I think he was playing with a concussion that game because he didn't play the next game. Yeah. Uh, and he got hit a couple times in the head where he hit hard. Um, but my goodness gracious. Uh, 39% field goal percentage. We shot, hey, we shot 42% from three and 80% from the free throw line. We just didn't get there. But they, they had 13 offensive rebounds, yeah. 35 rebounds. They killed us. <clears throat> and that ogre of a, a center, holy cow. Ogre of a center. <laughs> Dude, he is huge. Like, like He's been, oh he's been one of the best ads, oh. conference-wise. Yeah, and, and he's... For how Beast. big he is, yeah. he's got some like feet and some movement to him that you don't really expect. Like his size, he's two eighty, seven one two eighty. That's a huge guy. Well, Jeez. and, and <laughs> sign him for football, huh? <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, You're right. I mean, he'd play. It'd be very nice left tackle. Very nice <laughs> yeah, left tackle. <right. laughs> but but I think it does speak to the problem, which is that schematically you look at what our what our program is this year is that when it comes to scoring our our first four are better than we've had in the last three years oh yeah but mm -hmm. you look at our bench and there's nobody there to change pace but at all now 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 is that because we don't know or is that because do you think that they that they're not because I can also put like the, the thought process is that DeCure has only been playing six or seven guys. And I, I know that, you know, you know, Jonathan Brown, he's got the scoring capability and he probably does not have the capability for defense. And that's why he's not playing. But at the same time, if you, you've got to give a little to get a little, right? Yeah. And so. I think, I, I think you're right. I, but I think stylistically we've run into this problem and, when you look at what we have, I mean, we're, we're short Mac Anderson. Um, and then we were short Moody Anderson for much of the, obviously for the Portland state game, we don't have as much as he tried to sort of reshape the squad this year. Mm -hmm. We're back to the same problem again, which is that really he only trusts about seven guys. Yeah. And, and so when you have a game where you're struggling to score, you can't look down your bench and go, okay, I'm going to bring this guy in as a change of pace because you even saw it a little bit with Brown, which is that he only plays one speed. Mm -hmm. And so he is, you know, full bore and he tried to take on 
you know, McRae in the middle of the key. <laughs> and that did not work out really well for him. Yeah. And, and But that's our problem is that we don't have scoring anywhere outside that top four. Yeah. And I could have told you before the game started um, that, that Whitney wasn't going to score. And he, I think he had a bucket. And, and in order for Montana to do well, you needed to ban him to be really efficient and mm-hmm. do what he did against Portland state, which is uh, for while he was on the pace for like triple double category, and, but he couldn't do that. And because they were, they, they weren't double teaming Bannon. So he's holding onto the ball way too long yeah. against a team who is playing straight up defense, who doesn't allow threes. Yeah. So a lot of those cheap skip passes, which he gets to to Thomas, weren't there. Yeah. And and so we just don't have ways to break down defenses like or length the way that the three who I think are legitimately probably when it, when push comes to shove, you know, three of the better defensive teams in the conference, even though Eastern doesn't show it, um, we're, we'll struggle with them, and because we don't have that secondary ability to 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 do things offensively that doesn't involve the ball going through Bannon's or Whitney's hands. Well and they played they played smaller too, which I think was kind of a, a good thing for Sac State is is they put their McCray on Bannon um and he did really well and they put somebody shorter on Thomas so that he couldn't get out to the outside and get those threes which was genius and it worked. Um, And so, you know, in our our next game, I was kind of, kind of leery about just because we're going to Portland state and you just never know what kind of Portland Mm -hmm. state team you're going to get it. Uh, They're always, and you have Cameron Parker too. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Yeah. That he knows the program. He knows. Yeah. And you've got that, that, that team has the talent, right? They always have great guys, uh, great talent. Um, and we were down. Mac Anderson, I feel sorry for the guy. He's battled his way through two years of of injury upon injury upon injury. Uh, you know, we don't have Moody with c- concussion protocol. Um, and we got out a, a good win, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's another close game that we, we almost blow. Um, and Cameron Parker shows up and, and kind of gives us the, the, the finger and says, this is why you missed out on me. 23 points. Um, yeah, I like I feel like this is one of those games where they probably shouldn't have won. Yeah, <laughs> but one and yeah. and part of it, I think part of it really comes down to is that for us to win games you know, especially the way, the way that we are constructed this year, you know, not having Moody and then Brandon Whitney again, sort of struggling again, offensively, you know, the fact that we were able to find a way and muscle through that second half. I mean, Deshaun Thomas was really, really good, but so was Josh Vasquez and, and what Vasquez does. And this is why I love the guy is that, he doesn't do anything particularly well. I mean, he's not an elite basketball no. player, but at the same point, there's not a lot of things that he can't do. He makes a lot of bonehead plays every once in a while. <laughs> he'll he'll turn over the ball, you know, trying to do too much. But yeah. the what he provides is that 
he's calm, he's collect, and he's not afraid to make decisions on the basketball mm-hmm. floor. And, and I appreciate that mostly because in that game against Portland State is that if, if he doesn't do what he does, because he's not afraid to be at the line. No, no. No, he's not afraid to be at the line. He's a good enough – he's got enough height that he can, he can get the ball in, you know, on, a, on a press break, but he wants it, and he's, gonna, he's not really going to be on he's, – sometimes he's just going to miss. But at yeah. the same point, you know, offensively, he's sort of what we need but only amplified in a way is that we need to find somebody that can provide that position at point guard that, you know, in the long term. Because, I, you know, like I said, I I feel like a little bit at times that that Bannon and Whitney are a little bit oil and water. Mm-hmm. You When you watch them play together, you don't get the sense that they sort of cohesively gel because they find themselves into the same sort of nexus of the universe situations where they can't really feed off of each other. Because Bannon, like Whitney's not a very good pick and roll guard because he doesn't, I mean, the only way that he goes is all the way to the basket. He's not a fade guy. And, and for the same reason that, that Bannon doesn't do the same thing as well. So they, you can't build a offense around those two because they require the ball in their hand too much. But whereas Vasquez, you don't need the basketball in his hand because he'll facilitate and he'll move the ball around he'll just be, he's just sort of limited sometimes by his ability, not, you know, as an overall basketball ability, but he does those little small things that make him sometimes a little bit better, better pair for Bannon. Um, he's not afraid of contact either. Like, no, no, I think, I think, and Brandon's not afraid of contact. He likes mm-hmm. the contact and he goes into the contact, but because he's looking for it, he doesn't get the calls. True. And, you know, with our guys, like I wish you know, we're, yeah, we're great free throw shooters, but we don't get the calls and, and we don't get the calls because we're not going and getting the, the being aggressive. Um, there's a lot more teams out there that are being more aggressive. And I think that, you know, like you said, I think, you know, Brandon and Josh are, and not, not to be funny, but they're vying for the same position. They're going yeah. for the same spots. You have a, you have a six, one guard at least going for, you know, down on the block with your six foot 10 forward. Um, and, you know, yeah, like we're 10 and 12, four and six in the conference, we're sixth place, which we could easily uh, be, you know, what, 16 and eight. And, you know, and two, two games losses. out first. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, you know, if ifs and butts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what do we do from here? Angel just shaking his head. <laughs> you like that, buddy? Oh, I never heard that before, bro. You know, you've oh never heard that. See, never I, I give that. him the sayings that he's never heard. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> I. I think going forward, I still have this feeling that this team is better than the team that we had last year. Oh yeah, by far. And, but the problem is, is the results aren't there, but I don't think the margins are as wildly erratic as that they were last year, which means I think two things. Number one, um, I could see them just as likely going through the second half of the season and flipping the record from what we had now. I, I, 
because the the thing that that made our team struggle at the end of the year last year was the same reason that we struggled at the end of the year the year before which is that we had no diversification in scoring we can get scoring from four guys and i think that it might be enough that in when it matters if we have man or um moody bannon thomas and whitney all scoring or some sort of combination of that we're going to be more likely to get through those long protracted droughts yeah defensively i i feel like that as much as that people are going to fixate on that sac state game we've had a lot fewer of those this year yeah here we have we have i just i just don't know because we haven't been able to put since that Northern Arizona game, you know, the same five guys on the floor consistently, whether yeah. it's been because of illness or injury or whatever. I mean, we got to find a way to, to maximize the, the seven or eight guys that we do have. Yeah. Questions for you guys. So, you know, this is where we're at, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to throw shade at coach to but, you know, the last three years, right, haven't been the greatest in in UM basketball, right? Uh, total of 43 and 39, um, 22 and 24 in the conference, uh, which coming off of where we were with him going and making two consecutive uh, NCAA tournaments and two consecutive, you know, big side championships, uh, should he be on the hot seat? Angel, That's always think? a tough one. I'm yeah. I'm a big fan of 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 Coach Travis. Yeah, I've and I think he's a great a guy. Fan. I think he's a great guy. I think he does a lot of things well. And I, I should he be in the hot seat? I would love to for him to continue to be in the positions that he's in because I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great mentor. I think every single guy that I've talked to when I was at the university, since I've been out of the university, I've said nothing but great things. They they, they, they're challenged by him. He provides perspective to elevate people's games. I think he, he deserves to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Is it unfortunate that we're in the position that we're in? Of course it is. Obviously, he's visibly frustrated. You can tell at times. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think moving forward, I think he's, he's looking to find ways because I think he's dealing with a different – I don't want to say generation, but it's just no. a different yeah. style of players. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think that he's doing everything he can in the craziness of the world with the transfer portal and how things are kind of working out in order to, you know, figure out a system that would work for him. Yeah. Do I still believe in him? Absolutely, 100%. Do I think he has the potential there to to get us back to, you know, a championship level? Yeah, there's no question about it. As far as how soon it'll happen, I, I that's where, you know, I'm coming up in the air. But you, and Angel, you bring up a great a great thing of – um, you know, trying to find different different style of player, right? Which this team, with all of his other teams, has a different style, right? We yep. don't have that Ahmad Rory. We don't have that Agunye, uh, even Dorsey or a Co or Moorhead or Brunig, where yep. those guys were big. Those guys were, hey, let's go do this. Let's, you know, we're up by ten. Let's 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 finish it, right? Where they want and they're used to 
being coached hard. And I think that this team, not to, to be that person, but I think that they don't respond to that as well as other players have in the past. Well, and, and again, I think we, this is a whole other conversation that we could have over and over and over again, that there is an, there's a conversation being had that there is a handling of the Travis situation, which is different than the handling of the Shannon situation, which is he's had a ton of people leave the program, Mm -hmm. but He's also at the same point, and this is where, and, I, and I'm not going to get into politics about it, but, yeah. but what I think the point is, is that Travis is a leader of men and he mm-hmm. behaves like it. And which means that he'll take ownership for all of his behavior and all of his actions, even if, if the, even if the result, he doesn't make excuses for anything. And it's not that mm-hmm. anybody else does either. But what I'm saying is that when you look at the state of the program, What's happened, you can put on him because these guys are exiting the program before they get through their four years. You can blame the transfer portal, but it is what it is. And Mm -hmm. he's made conscious decisions to move forward. And he's had to change styles. Um, He's trying to maximize what he has this year, which is that he's got an all-conference forward in Bannon that he's tried to do some very Eurocentric ideas and letting him handle the ball in all of these different ways. But it doesn't still escape the idea of the criticism that we're basically an average or below average team the last three years. And sooner or later, if that doesn't change, then obviously where they're going to have very real conversations, will it be the, Will it be the 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 type of Bob Stick conversation where he's successful but not successful enough mm-hmm. type question, or is this legitimately indicative of something that's you know some sort of necrosis of the program? Which I don't think there is. I think he's struggled. I think he's missed on recruits. I think he's missed in the portal, and I think he'd tell you that. I think yeah. he's trying to take shots on guys he thinks fits in his program. You know, and this call goes back to that, you know, year that they bring in, you know, who is it, Cameron Satterwhite, and he was here for two games. Yeah. Well, and then that was and the same so, year they had Stedman and yeah. Nassim Gaskin as well. So, you know, they've, they've you know, the earlier years, like you said, Josh, uh, they, they won on transfers, right? You know, yeah. Ahmad Rory was a transfer. Uh, wasn't a co uh, a transfer? And Dorsey yeah. was a transfer yeah. as mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, I think Brunig wasn't Brunig a transfer from somewhere, yeah. Too? But I believe, but Brunig was a transfer as well. But yeah. he was from a UW guy, yeah. but he was, I actually think, not Travis's transfer. I think that was uh Wayne's was that transfer, Wayne's? Okay, yeah. yeah. But, okay. but in any way, but in any case, you're right, is that where other teams in the conference have absolutely nailed transfers, yeah, you know, um, Raekwon Battle at Montana State, yeah. um, Jalen Cohn at. Uh, NAU, the basically most, or if not all, of Sac State and Portland State's team this year are portal guys, and so Travis has obviously got to do a better job. But what I will tell you is that if you haven't taken a chance, um, watch the Money Williams, the freshman guard that we'll have next year from Oakland. That guy is everything of a, a, at least as a freshman. 
that we have appeared that we've been missing in in guard wing play for quite a while. Yeah, uh, he is. He does some very nice things as a six three kid. Um, he plays above the rim. He can play the full floor, full length of the floor, and he's great, great defensively, which I think obviously is probably the reason why Travis likes him. And then the Davidson kid from closer to me down here is having uh, putting up double doubles left and right. And so it looks yeah, like he's a bigger two guy. Isn't six, he? Like six, 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 seven, six, eight. eight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so he's got these two guys from here in California that I think he's turning the corner again with some of those recruits that we were very like used to him getting, which is mm-hmm. we're getting these high end California kids who can play. And mm-hmm. as long as we can find a way, especially because I'm not writing the year off, it's just like so we're thin. Yeah. And and so you look at what we have versus what we're redshirting. You know, he's using um who's the guy now? Who is the former Eastern coach? Um at uh, Portland now. His yeah, name, Portland. Yeah. Uh, his name escapes me, but yeah, he's redshirting these guys. And then you look at what's Redger, and we got a point guard. Um, we have a shooting guard, uh, Deshaun DeHomas's younger brother, Darrell. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we got mm-hmm. we've got all of these guys sitting on on the bench this year. That Travis made a point of, hey, take a year off. Rhett Reynolds, who yep. is Mac Anderson, but probably maybe a little bit more um, offensive. Of a, yeah, got yeah. some definite polish basketball wise. Yep. And you look at what he's got coming in, and suddenly you're like, well, wait a minute this looks like this is actually trending in the right direction. And we'll have Bannon back next year. Um, Cross you know, your fingers. We'll have, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, if Gonzaga, well, that's why we don't play Gonzaga. They're going to steal one of our guys. Like, yeah. like I could totally see that happening. <laughs> if, if all things being the same, you look at where this team could trend at the end of the year. And then you look at what's coming in. It's hard not to look at it and go, maybe we have turned the corner here just a little bit um, mm-hmm. in terms of, because Travis will admit, you know, he wasn't able to recruit the way he likes to recruit during the pandemic. He had to take some shots on some people that he swung and missed on. And when you listen to him, he's been openly honest about it. I mean, you can, you can only yeah. throw, you know, you can only bring so many guys in and then have them all just sort of, you know, peter out in front of you. And this year, his transfers have been pretty good. I mean, at least two of them have been. And yeah. I think there's an okay uh, and okay has actually legitimately been for the minutes he's played good. He yeah. just can't yeah. play. He's offensively a black hole. Yeah. But but yeah. defensively, athletically, all of those types of things, he gave great minutes in both of those games and yeah. held his own. He's just not going to score. And then no, Jonathan no. Brown's a little bit of a flip of a coin, but Deshaun Thomas and Anna Moody have been great bring-ins. It's just, again, a little bit of an incomplete squad, and I think it only gets better next year. Well, and, and like one thing to throw out there, guys, before we, we, we cut it off, but, you know, I, and, and, and I don't know if I'm way off base here, I feel like the – two moneymakers at the University of Montana are kind of in the same position, right? The football program and the basketball program are kind of dealing with the same kind of things right now. And I I feel like they're kind of stuck, you know, with the glory years and what's happening now. 
And I feel like we need to shift kind of away from the, the focusing on what has happened in the past and kind of move forward. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's just me and what I'm feeling, but I feel like we're, we get so stuck in what has happened that we just can't get away from building off of it. Am I way off base? Am I somewhat? What, what do you guys think? I mean, I could, I think, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think the issue is that whether it's football or whether it's basketball or whether it was the women's program, we've sort of gotten into that idea of it doesn't always necessarily require some sort of, you know, revolutionary vision. You know, mm -hmm. you know, we, we bring in Bob Stiffer football, which stylistically was everything that people wanted. Mm -hmm. But in terms of execution and carry out, didn't happen. We bring back Bobby because we know what Bobby is and what Bobby does. And Travis is who Travis will be forever. They're essentially very similar people. But I just don't know. I don't know. You need, to, you need some good luck. Yeah. I mean, Montana State has that in like 12-fold right now. Yeah. And it's hard to look mm -hmm. at it without looking at what Montana State's doing. And you can't just look at it and go, they had a home run hire in um, Binford. Mm -hmm. And she's been around for a while. Um, they've got they've got the hire right with Danny Sprinkle. Yep. And they obviously got the hire right with Bygan. And so when you do that, and then they get lucky, you know, because I don't think anybody knew that, you know, that you know what's his uh tommy Malott. touchdown malat yeah. i don't think anybody sort of said you know what montana state's suddenly going to be you know within minutes of two national title games in a row mm -hmm. with him as a quarterback and i think you can say the same thing with everything you need a lot of luck but you also have to have some sort of you know long-term vision and sometimes i do wonder you know how much we are stuck yeah but i don't know that it I think Bobby was right. I, I don't know that we were that far off last year. Yeah. I, I, and I maybe, and maybe Angel has a little bit different perspective on the football program than I do, but I think we have to have some sort of vision, but I just honestly don't know that what it'll require. Uh, Cause I don't think we can blow it up either. So that's my opinion. No, I'm just kind of going back to what Josh said, you know, just a few minutes ago. You know, that now that you started to explain what's on the forefront of what's to come, you know, I think that's part of, you know, the coach's vision, Travis's vision. You know, I just think kind of what you just said right now, too, we just had a couple years of some bad luck that haven't turned our way and turned our way. I do also think the way that Josh explained it, it made total sense to me. I think we're potentially on the cusp to make that change, to turn that corner it just needs to all fall in the right ways. We have some people that are returning, you know, the way that Travis operates, he likes to, you know, kind of pivot at the end of the season, make some changes. He'll make those changes as need be with bringing in some new guys into that rotation. I do think we're on the cusp. I do think that we have that potential. And I think this next season or two, we're going to really be able to see that. I think we do need to make a push for the end of the season in order for him to have a place to say, hey, I, I, I'm going to stay here and there's a reason why I'm going to stay here. I can take these couple years of bad luck and make good come out of it 
just wait until what I show you guys for next year. I think that's kind of, you know, where I'm at in the process and how it makes sense to me. At first, I didn't even think about it. But then when Josh broke it down so eloquently, I was just like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That <laughs> well, I just think also, <laughs> I also think that, like, you have to, you know, we're on the cusp, I think, for football and basketball. We, we are. Yeah. Um, but I also think that we have to – you have to do the little things and you have to have so many things that you're doing right for it to go your way. Yeah. And right now we, we don't have those things happening for us. And mm-hmm. so is it something that we need to look at uh, systematically ways of what we're doing? Are they the right way that we're doing things? Is it, Hey, we're just not getting the right luck. Is it, Hey, we need, I, I don't know what it is. It just feels like, we're so close, but something is off where it's just holding us back, right? It could be, you know, development. It could be um, who we're bringing in. You know, it could be structure of, of how we're running a team. It's and that's just- where I'm optimistic because I think Travis is willing to pivot and make those changes yeah. Yeah. and, you know, put more emphasis on the type of players that he has in order to maximize what we do have out there on the court. And I think I think there is that opportunity to do it. I think he will be one of those coaches. I can't say that about every single coach that I've ever been a part of. But I think him specifically, I think he's gonna he's gonna be willing, he's gonna be able, he's gonna be wanting to to pivot where he needs to pivot. And and I don't think, you know, and I don't think anybody who's risen to be a division one head basketball coach is a dummy. I no, think no. there are I do think there's these times where coaches get sort of a commitment to a bit that this is how we do things and this is how we're gonna do. It. But you know, you look at how you know, whether you watch, you know, the Roy Williamses of the world or mm-hmm. Duke uh, with Mike Krzyzewski, all of those guys, they always found ways to maximize even after really bad runs. Yeah. Um, they found ways to do it. And like I said, you know, it, you know, I've listened to Travis enough to know that he's a really smart guy, mm-hmm. both yep. basketball wise and human wise. I can say the same thing of Bobby and, you know, not their personalities are not for everybody. They're not for all of their players. That's for dang sure. Mm-hmm. But you know what they do? They at least are able to articulate to the people they have in the room precisely what they're doing. Cause you know, I, obviously a lot of players went for the, for the door during the pandemic for Travis, but you don't see it in, in the way where those guys are coming out and just, you know, dumping all over the program. And so I think that tells you a little bit and mm-hmm. because it's a real habit, you know, that, you know, guys exit the door and then they air all of their dirty laundry. They're not, I think Travis is up front with these guys that if it's not a mm-hmm. mix, it's not a mix. He's not going to hold you responsible for it because yeah. the portal, he's not going to hold that guy there. And I think the Cam Parker situation is a little bit different is that I think Cam was in a different situation. I mean, the guys, you know, sixth or seventh year and i mean he was you know i think travis you know had the conversation Uh, he knew cam was leaving at the end of the year i don't think this was necessarily cam saying i'm going to give the middle finger to the program just look at i mean if you watch the the shake the handshake line oh yeah oh yeah 
it, that, it, was, that it, was, that, it was much love. It was much, much love. Yeah. Much love. Yeah. And and I think it was just like, here's what Cam wanted to do with his last year of college basketball, this extra oh, yeah. year that he had. Mm-hmm. I you know what? Yeah, but again, I sooner or later, you know, you you've gotta you gotta have results. And yeah. I think the team's somewhat closer to that. I mean, obviously it's a little bit of a island of misfit toys a little bit this year, but <laughs> Um, but, 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 but honestly, I mean, they're not that far away. I no. mean, cause you look at the margins, I mean, other than the, the, the Sac State debacle. I can't watch you know, that game ever again. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, that's what you, you know, if you're trying to torture somebody to get information out of them, that's what you get. Yeah, exactly. But, but you, but you look at it with, you know, there are only four or five minutes at oh, yeah. most in yep. every other game. And in some of them, it was down to about 30 seconds. Yep. Mm-hmm. That They're in games, and they're going to be in games because they do things right defensively, yeah. even though sometimes it's going to lead to some absolutely horrendous offensive basketball, that their defensive philosophy is going to keep them in games, even mm-hmm. though... You, you know, sometimes it's going to lead to, you know, me consuming a bottle of uh, Gaviscon every uh, um, the last two minutes of every game because you just know how this is going to go. And you yeah. just sort of just like, you know, you got to avert your eyes because you know what's going to happen. But you're like, oh, I got to watch this, even though I know what's going to happen. So. Yeah. yeah, it is. I, I think if we can get kind of a little bit better, more movement, and I, I think that we, I always say that every year, but just the movement just kind of just, but I don't know if it, I don't know if I'm just like a big Princeton fan of the motion <laughs> offense or what, but man, it just bugs the heck out of me just watching guys just stand around and not do anything. It, it just, it, it, it's to my yeah. core, my basketball core just like irritates the heck out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. And, and I think part of the problem is, is that, I, and, and again, it's sort of like, and it's not that I know what Travis is doing because I don't. And, yeah. but I feel like a lot of what has been dictated, especially over the last two years has been dictated on the idea, knowing that he's got a little bit of a unicorn in Bannon. Yeah. And because he is a little bit unicorny yep. uh, that he's sort of catered to it. But at the same point, it, it does create this idea that we're waiting for him to make a move. Yeah. Then everybody else will react. Yeah. And, and so do, yeah, everybody does stand out on there and then he waits for him to wheel into the key before people cut. Yeah. Because if you wait, if you are too early, then you clog up the lane. If you're way too late, you know, it's that part of that thing of where sometimes I just wish, Hey, let's run some five man, you know, five man motion and let's, uh, you know, work to get a layup type deal. Let's run some (laughs) flex, whatever it is. But I I wish we sometimes do it, but at the same point, I see what they're trying to do and it makes logical sense. But at the same point, you know, what do I do? I'm, you know, a high school, you know, <laughs> high school teacher in Southern California, and you know, occasionally watches basketball. So, what do I know? There you go. There you go. Well, hey, you know, any last thoughts, guys? Other than all the the stuff we've already talked about, uh, got some big games coming up this weekend for the grit. The the men, um, they will be at home, I believe. Yes, uh, Northern Colorado, 
and then Northern Arizona. Oh mm-hmm. man, we gotta we gotta beat Northern Arizona. That yeah. just get bad, awful taste out of our mouth from the last one. Um, and that Northern Colorado team just scares me because they're just they're just you don't know what's gonna happen because they're yeah. that what I don't know what the uh, their big long guy that kind of like replaced. Uh, home or whatever or homie or what i can't remember his name i'm horrible at names angel i know i know man uh hume there you go hume Hume. not home hume there you go uh he is an amazing scorer he just that team just scares the heck out of me i think i'm kind of pessimistic that way (laughs) i'm a worry like fan man well but when you consider how the games have played out the last couple of years sort of understandable so yeah true well, uh, like always, man, uh, Josh, thank you for coming on. We we value you coming on each and every time. Uh, yes, we, we do. want you to come on with us more often uh, whenever you can, uh, and we'll have you on. Uh, Angel, thanks for giving me a hard time. I always appreciate it, man. You refine me. You refine me, big guy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thanks for all those listening out there. And also commenting, but the cat fan that keeps on telling us that we suck. Uh, thanks, Ron. I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, we will uh, check you guys later and uh, go Grizz. Go Grizz. I know, baby. Let's do it, baby.